Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 256. With all these old cars, they need to be driven. Nothing is more painful than to see all these beautiful cars sitting in garages and never turning a wheel. They love to be driven. You love it. Life is short. Enjoy yourself. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today, I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Alex Finnegan. Alex, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm ready. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Alex Finnegan is the sales manager at Paul Russell & Company, where they restore and maintain the finest historic vehicles in the world. They perform a full range of care, including mechanical, coach building, paint and upholstery, machining, research, parts, and much, much more. You'll find Paul Russell & Company's work on the lawns of the finest Concours events around the world. Alex was bitten by the car bug way back in 1959, and he's worked on and restored automobiles ever since. Alex, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, it's even beyond a passion. It's almost, as my wife would say, more a disease. (laughs) Yes, we're all afflicted with that. (laughs) To which I said to her, well, gee, it could have been crack cocaine, to which her (laughs) answer was, how bad could that have been? (laughs) It's something that, as you mentioned, literally from childhood, I remember the exact day that happened is I was taking the, the, the trash out, and I looked over at my neighbor's trash, and this guy, I know, his mother had thrown out a stack of hot rod magazines nightly, nicely tied together and I went over looked at it and opened it up and it was like literally getting shot in the middle of the head it was mm. I couldn't believe it from that day on I started to collect car magazines and build model cars and you know just became obsessed with automobiles it's uh, something that you know I've turned into a career but it's something that I'm so passionate about you can like sit down anywhere in my house anywhere, and there's a stack of car magazines <laughs> next to every chair. Again, much to my wife's chagrin, but <laughs> it, it turned out to be something that I'm very fortunate to be able to make a, a living doing something I love. Well, tell us a little bit about what led up to your involvement in being a part of the amazing Paul Russell & Company business. Let's go back a little bit and talk about some of your careers and your past that got you to this point. Well, it, I 
graduated from college in 1969 in New Jersey. I worked for three years as a, a social worker, oddly enough. And that, you know, I just was filling a job. I really had no passion for anything at the time. I then went to use my degree, and I worked as a junior executive both at Mazda and Fiat of North America. You know, I'd go in every day at a, a jacket and tie and sit at a desk, and I soon realized that all the people that worked there were not car people. You know, they were just they were just sitting, but well, they were office people. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And it really discouraged me. I thought I'd be working in a car company. You know, going out with guys talking about cars. It was the most disinteresting job I ever had. So much to the fact that one day, one Friday at lunchtime, I went to lunch and never returned. Oh my goodness! It was, <laughs> it was that I bad. Just had, it was that bad. It was, I, I just couldn't see myself sitting behind a desk. And my grandfather had given me a, a small toolbox you know, I got when he passed away. And I opened up an independent Volkswagen repair shop. Oh, cool. Literally, no, I, I had no background in mechanics, but I had that tool chest and that, at the time, John Muir's book, uh, <laughs> How to Repair the Volkswagen for the Complete Idiot. Yes, I had a copy of that myself. <laughs> yes, and that... And one thing about me, I always had the idea that if I put my mind to it, I could do anything. So I had a kind of very positive outlook on it. And the the shop became actually pretty successful, doing tune-ups and mostly, exclusively Volkswagen Beetles. Mm -hmm. At the time, and then the place I was working at, the lease ran out, so I had no place to go. So then I started hopscotching around different automotive. I was a Volvo mechanic for a while, the Mazda mechanic, and stuff like that, and so this was all kind of now in the early 70s. And in 1974, I helped a friend of mine move from North Bergen, New Jersey, to Marblehead, Massachusetts. And I moved up to Marblehead. I helped move up here. And I was walking down the street, and I looked in this garage, and there were three Gullwings, an SSK, a Mercedes 300S convertible. And I would, I've never seen any of these cars in my life, in real life, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was, this was a Sunday, and I looked through the, the window, and it was Dearborn Automobile Company. And that was Alex Dearborn had this company restoring Mercedes of the 50s out of this kind of 3,000-square-foot garage. So, But the place was closed. It was Sunday. So I went back to New Jersey uh, that night. And again, everything kind of works its way. I bought a Motor Trend magazine that week, and in it I opened it up, and there was a story in Alex Dearborn's shop. <laughs> you know, just funny. Totally out of the blue. Yeah. So I said, wow, that's that's really amazing that someone could have a, a business doing this, working on one model, basically, of car, 50s Mercedes, and make a go of it. So a couple of weeks later, I was laid off of a mechanics job I had down in, the, in New York, New Jersey. And I said, if I'm going to collect unemployment, I'm collecting it up in Marblehead. So I moved to Marblehead, kind of crashed with my friend for a while and literally built my way into a job at Alex Dearborn. I told him I had a lot more experience than I did. And, but again, I thought, if I get in there, I can do this. So that was nineteen. That was February of 1975. Mm-hmm. Uh, I met my wife at the same time. We're still together. And I worked for Alex from 1975 to 1978. In 1978, Alex had decided to get out of the restoration side of the business and just buy and sell cars. Mm. So we offered the business to Paul Russell, myself, and another guy, Dave Twitchell, who was there. And both uh, Dave and I had recently each gotten married and bought homes, so we had no cash. So Paul bought the business, and we started uh, Gullwing Service Company in June of 1978. Mm. Wow. Yep, just three guys just doing mechanical work. 
We farmed out the uh, bodywork, the interior, everything else. We had a deal with Alex that we would stay kind of with him for five years in a building that he owned so he could rent it to us. I see. And then in 1983, we decided we really wanted to get a bigger building and stuff like that. So Paul bought a building, the building we're in right now, in Essex, Massachusetts, and it is 30,000 square feet. Mm. So literally by then, we we had now three or four guys, but it was way too big of a building for all of us. Fortunately, the building was cheap. And um, so we did almost everything ourselves. You grew so into then over it. <laughs> the, yeah, then over the years we started to say, well, you know, we'd rather have a body shop in-house so you can control it better. Then, you know, then we had an upholsterer. Then we had a machinist. So pretty much, you know, over the next 38 years, it'll be 37 years, I think, this June. Wow. Uh, we've got everything under one roof now. The only thing we don't do are automotive machining and chrome plating. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two things we we subcontract out. Everything else is done here. And the business has grown now to uh, 26 people in the building. Mm -hmm. Um, Really all unbelievable car fanatics. So when this place closes at its door at night, guys are always working on their own things, motorcycles and cars and stuff like that. So it's a great place for kind of a, a guy who loves cars to work because Paul's very generous, lets him use all the facilities. All you have to do is pay for the supplies, you know. Yeah, sure. So it's, it's <laughs> well, neat to have all that kind of stuff, you know, under one roof. It's an amazing journey. And for all the people who attend Concours events and rallies and tours and things, who've seen the work that comes out of your company is a testament to something that you touched on is 38 years. I mean, congratulations for one thing, to be in business for that long, but it takes a long time to build a business of that stature. And that's something that everybody, uh, entrepreneurs especially, need to understand. So it sounds like you found your dream. As we continue on your journey, I always like to ask my guests for a success quote. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So Alex, take the wheel. This is going to sound corny, but it's it's so true. And it's in my particular line it's it is true and it's do something you love and you'll never work a day in your life ah great quote by henry ford (laughs) yeah and i have literally the best job in the world i love what i do people say gee when are you going to retire and i said retire to do what you know (laughs) i've got the best job in the world i can do it you know remotely uh, if i don't have a customer coming into the shop physically to look at a car with my phone or ipad i can do do it almost anywhere, you know, and it's it's really fantastic. And it's something, you know, people will always say, well, gee, how did you get here, you know? And it's never, I, I've never had a grand plan. I, I never said, I want to be here, I want to do this. It just kind of evolved. And I think probably one of the best things in my life was meeting Paul Russell, you know? <laughs> yes. We, at, at a young age, and you look back when we were kids, I mean, we were kids, and we really work well together. Paul is very methodical and and quiet. You can't tell if he's happy or sad. I mean, he's really kind of flatlined, mm-hmm. which is good. I mean, and I'm the total opposite of that. So <laughs> you can tell exactly how I feel. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and but we're a great pair together. You yeah. know, to, again, to be in business for 38 years, we've never had a fight. I mean, it's it's really amazing. And he handles the, the business side of it and the clients, mm-hmm. and I do the sales and stuff like yeah. that. And it's just work. It, it's a marriage made in heaven. And well, you know, a lot of guys that have worked here, they go on to start their own business, and it, it doesn't work. You know, mm-hmm. we re- refer to it sometimes as the 
Paul Russell College of Restoration. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys think you could come in and learn this trade and go start your own business and be a success. It, it's, you know, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of people. It's very hard in this business to have a, a business like this last this long. Yes. Um, because, number one, it's, it's hard to find employees. It's, you know, that the mix of running it as a business, not just doing good work, but having it be a business that's profitable so that you can you're here next year for the next client you know it's it's a it's a very very challenging business if you don't know what you're doing you can be a great body man or mechanic but not have the business sense to be able to turn it into a growing concern you know i think that's a key message here in what you've talked about first and foremost you're very fortunate to be working in your field of passion and being so successful for so long but there is that big difference between being the craftsman and then the business person and how you balance those two. And I hear that from many, many of my guests, that mm-hmm. that is what creates the challenge. You know, you shared with us the story that really instigated your passion for cars, that time you found found those magazines in your neighbor's trash. And yeah. I'm kind of laughing because a similar thing happened to me way, way, way back with some uh, car and driver magazines. But I'd love for you to take us down some of the roads you've driven. You talk about the challenges of, of business and share with our listeners a really big challenge or even a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome it and what did you learn from it? Well, what are the things, and again, as I said, we've had, we, this has never been a great plan. We're, we were just two young guys who loved cars never thinking 38 years I'd be in the same place with the same guy doing the same thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So it went from being, I was a mechanic, uh, Dave was a mechanic, Paul ran the business. In 1987, I said to Paul, that I, I just turned 40, I said, you know what, I love doing this, but I don't want to be twisting wrenches when I'm 67. So, you know, I, I don't know what, I was at a point where I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I, although I loved working on cars, and I still do, I, I just didn't see myself you know, being a mechanic for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. So Paul said, well, what would you like to do? And I said, I don't know. I think I'd like to try car sales. So we went to the bank and got a kind of a a bank loan. Line of credit or something? Exactly, a line of credit. Mm -hmm. And I went out, and for a while, I was worth working on cars and selling cars. And that quickly turned into you can't do both because I'd no sooner get under a car, the phone would ring. (laughs) Of course. talk to somebody. I went full-time in 1987 of just buying and selling cars. And it turned out to be a, a very good thing for us because you see a lot of car salesmen, particularly vintage car people, really don't have the kind of mechanical background. So mm. you could be selling something you really know nothing about. Yes. Where coming from the other side, from the mechanical side, all of a sudden I had this wealth of knowledge of what how to work on these cars, and it really helped me sell cars because you, you could make people very comfortable explaining something to them because you were knowledgeable you know, knowledgeable about yeah. it, right and even today you, you you talk to some of these guys who are selling these cars they have no idea what they're selling you know you've you've hit on something really important here because car people can sniff out a non-car person pretty darn right. quick <laughs> so yep, yep. i see how that served you so well yeah and for me, again, this this job was a means to an end of, gee, here's something I, I can have more cars, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I've got a nice little car collection that I've built over the years. But again, I know some of my peers in the group in this industry 
don't have one collector car. It's just nothing. They have no interest in it. So they could be selling, you know, Dell computers. For, yes. You know, to me, it's just, okay, I'm in this business. I get, now I can, I get a lead on this. I go find this and, you know, keep it for myself. And it, it's really something that it, it, it's, it's such a passion that it, it's not a job. It's not work. It's, you know, to, to come here. And I have, in this point in my life, a lot of friends who are doctors and lawyers. And almost to a man, they don't like what they do, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. They do it. It's it's a job they can't get out of it. You know, you're too old to do something else. Yes. If I could told you how many times people come in here, successful people who are about to retire, and they just want to sweep the floor here. You know, they want to work here. <laughs> yes. They just want to be around cars and car guys, and it's yes, it's really it, it's amazing. And this is what I found about this this line of work and hobby that it's kind of the great equalizer. You meet guys who are billionaires in our line of work, and they come in here. And they're on your turf. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a it really changes the whole dynamic of things where you wouldn't think of making a joke or going up to the head of a C- Fortune 500 CEO company. You know, in their field, and when, yet here, it, you're all just car guys. Yeah, it, it's a real it's a really great common denominator. And uh, you know, I've had breakfast, lunch, and dinner with some of the wealthiest, most influential people in the world, and you're just, you're like teenagers. <laughs> you know, it's really true. It's It really is, while cars are the medium, it's about the people, and I, I agree with you in many ways. I've interviewed many people in the same vein and met a lot of people on Concord lawns or vintage racing events, and it's it's what is so special about the car hobby. I, I have a guest coming up here on Cars Yeah that has a TV show, and he's been in the TV industry for years and he said you know the car hobby is just full of nice people unlike the tv industry i'm involved in yeah whereas they're just not that nice many of them some of them are of course but uh, i love that well alex let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum i'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments it's a time i like to say when the headlights come on and the and they illuminate your way for a new idea or a concept you had maybe something Mm -hmm. that happened along the way with paul russell and company and tell me the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success. Well, I, I think one of the, the things I realized, and again, this is about 1987, I'm really heavily into early Porsches. So oh, great. In, me too. <laughs> yeah. In 1987, I wanted a Speedster really badly. And at that time, they were in the mid-teens to $20,000. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know? Let's not even go there. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So I, I, I went to the bank and got a... a second mortgage in my house and in the time of about five weeks i wound up buying three of them oh my goodness because they were you know and i so what i did is i i kept the best of the three i worked on the other two sold those and made enough profit that i almost had the third car for free you Mm -hmm. know or very little into it and then i was like whoa this make this is what i should be doing you know (laughs) buying things in multiples do some work on them fix them up and sell them and you know keep what i so it really was that that moment of I can do this with the skill I have as a mechanic to be able to you know make some extra cash and t- take get what I want that I could normally never have afforded to just go out and buy at that time a twenty thousand dollar speedster. Yeah. But in doing that over within again two months, I had a car that was worth much more than I had in it. Yeah. And then I just started doing that, and it was 
here I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful story. It's something envious many car guys and car women would just go, oh, yes. And yeah. how many of us look back now, you look at what a Speedster is worth now, and it's just oh my God, become yeah. un- unobtainable. And I still have that car. Well, good for you. I was going to ask. I hope you still have it. <laughs> yeah. I drove it cross country in 2004, 3,900 miles in seven days. It was one of the best you know, automotive trips I've ever taken. Oh, my gosh. I've done a, I've done a lot of cross-country trips in old cars. And, was that I mean, for a special event? That ev- Yes, it was for the Speedster 50th anniversary. You know, I was just about to say, I was at that event, so I, I probably yeah. have a picture of your car. What color is oh, it? But it's uh, it's called the Stone Gray, so it's oh, a green. Oh, with a green my favorite. My fi- I, yeah. I do have a picture of your car. Was your yeah. car taken, a uh, picture taken when a bunch of us drove out to that point along 17-mile drive? No, I don't think I, we were no, there. No, we're in the, okay, because there was a yeah. stone gray what car. We had, what we had done, my friend Steve had his speedster. We drove from Boston, mm-hmm. and we had a decal on the side of the car that was a decal of the United States, and it was about the size of a, the door, so it fit yeah. perfectly on the door. Mm-hmm. And we, uh, with a magic marker, we did our trip on it, and then we'd stop and we'd have waitresses. and Yeah, I remember you know, that. Yeah. It. It, was, it was fantastic. Yeah. I still have that, too. That's sitting up in my on the wall of my Ah, oh, fantastic. Oh, great. It's so cool that I've seen that car. I've loved to have a Speedster, and in that color, that color combination specifically. Uh, I'm yeah. jealous, my friend. I'm yeah. jealous. How about <laughs> proudest career moments? I assume you've had many. You guys have have restored and created cars that have won uh, accolades at Amelia Island, Pebble right. Beach, all the greatest yep. events. But yep. is there one moment in particular that really stands out? So in 1983, we met Ralph Lauren. Uh, he came up to us. He wanted to have a Gullwing restored. And uh, I'm sorry, it was a Roadster restored. And we restored that Roadster for him. Then he bought a Gullwing. Then he bought an alloy Gullwing. So in, in the span of probably three years, four years, we did three 300 SLs for him. Became very friendly with him and just fantastic. So in 1987, he bought three cars from Tom Perkins, uh, 2.9 Alpha Touring Spider, uh, the Trossi SSK, and the uh, Bugatti Atlantique. Mm. And he said to us, I'd like to take the Bugatti Atlantique to Pebble Beach. Would you do it for us? Now, up to this point, we had never done anything other than a Mercedes of the 50s. So this is entirely new yeah. territory for us. <laughs> yes. So, But you don't take a, an opportunity like that. So he said, sure, we can do that. We did it in one best of show our first time out wow. at Pebble Beach. The first time we're ever at Pebble Beach, you know. Oh, wow. So that was really a, a ground defining moment for us. Yes. It really put Paul's name on the map, and rightly so. And Ralph has been our biggest supporter and almost like cheerleader. And we've then worked on so many different cars. Yeah. So then in 1990, Ralph suggested to Paul to change the name of the company from Gullwing Service Company to Paul Russell and Company, mm-hmm. and which we did. And then we kind of broadened our goals, and we now do European sports cars pre- and post-war up to the mid-70s. Yeah, wow. That's it. We don't do anything else. And we've got, right now, a three-year backlog in the shop and <laughs> oh, more just, work than we could ever uh, It's ever just do. fantastic. I saw that car on the lawn when it won, and I've seen so many cars you've worked on for Mr. Loren, and just fantastic, fantastic work and accolades. What a proud moment. Yeah. It's really cool. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle for yourself? And maybe you could share one memory you had with that car. Well, when you grow up liking cars like I did, my first car was a 53 Studebaker Coupe, which I bought with two other friends before we even had our license. 
And then I went for my first real car that was a 55 Chevy two-door six-cylinder stick shift that I bought for $100. My grandmother lent me $100. I took a bus to go look at it, and I didn't know how to drive a stick shift, <laughs> but I did by the time I got home. Yes. You know, I, just, <laughs> I just learned. and So that car, I was in love with that car. Again, I was 17 years old. I got it home. I immediately uh, spray-painted it, black primer, took the front bumper off, radius the rear rear well and i had someone do that that was fifty dollars <laughs> so it was a six stick i put three one barrel carburetors on it and a hearst mystery shifter a three-speed on the floor and to me i was king of the world I, that was the yeah and oddly enough it looked although it didn't have the same drivetrain as the two-lane blacktop chevy that the, that movie that came out probably another 10 or 15 years after after that but yeah. <laughs> that was really my first car that was my own that I did all the work on by myself in on the side of the curb you know I didn't have a garage my mother and myself and my sister lived in a in an apartment yeah and so everything I did I did at the curb you know there was, <laughs> I, was, I wasn't and I didn't have a garage or anything like that a precursor to to what was to come in your future it's funny because my parents helped me buy uh my first sports car which was a Carmen Ghia my poor man's yeah. Porsche same thing my mom drove me over to pick it up uh, in Point Loma California we lived in uh La Jolla and I had to uh drive it home and it was a stick and I'd never driven a stick so right. I kind of followed her home and you know <laughs> finally made yep, it back that's how you learn how about buyers or sellers from morris is there a vehicle that you sold and there probably are a lot well there, there are a lot of them <laughs> is one the, yeah just one <laughs> the one that i really i had a, a 1932 ford five window coupe small block chevy chopped and in 2000 my son was starting college and i said to my wife gee maybe we should take sell this car and you know pay for some college and blah blah yep, blah been there done that and uh so the guy came, bought it right away, loaded it on the trailer, and as he loaded it on the trailer, I had that moment of, I've just made a huge mistake. You know? Yep. So much so, it drove down the block, and I went inside, and I just sat down. And I didn't cry, but I was really emotionally, I, I, I knew I'd made a mistake. So much so, I called the guy back up the next day and offered him a profit to sell it back to me, and he wouldn't. And <laughs> yeah. That was it. And, yeah. and now I'm just finishing up a 10-year build on another Deuce Coupe that, hey, again, there you go. But I would have been, I can't even tell you how much money I would have yeah, saved had I, I know. my original car. I know. We, you know, we've all done those things for our children, and those are good things to do. So you can only yeah. remember Oh, yeah, I don't memories. regret that. I, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> yeah. it's just that those, those things, I'm such a, you know, I get involved with cars, and now I say to my wife, I'm not buying anything else. That's why, you know, I don't want to go on... Um, bring a trailer I, mean, that, that, I know again, it's a dangerous place <laughs> that that's a that's a crack den i don't even i look at things i said oh gee i'd like to have a volvo 123 gt and yeah you, know, you really know. have to step away just it, you do i've had uh randy nonenberg who uh started that company along with a business partner on the show i'll have to call him a crack den that's a a yeah. crack a garage is what we'll call right. it. Bring a trailer. That's funny. That's really cool. Now, how about current projects? Is there something you guys, you guys have a three-year backlog, but is there something you're working on in your shop today you can tell us about that oh really has you fired up and excited? There's so much in here right now. We're doing one of the three Ferrari 335S sports racers. Oh, wow. We've got a 375 millimeter in here. Wow. I uh, just finished up the uh, 250 Testarossa for Harry Yegi. We, we are chock-a-block with such... I give a lot of car tours to mm -hmm. clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. And they come in, and I say to, to them, 
you're stepping, this is not reality. <laughs> you're stepping into the one-tenth of one percent toy box, basically. Yeah, you know, yeah. this, when you mention to a, people that are standing here, and they're all car people, you know, Porsche Club and stuff, that this car is worth $35 million, you see, you know, they're, they, they go cross-eyed. It, it, yeah, it's hard, hard to relate to something like <laughs> of that. Of course. And I've, I've been into it for so long that those numbers roll off my tongue like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, 35, yeah, yeah. I see that. And <laughs> but it, So it's really, when you have a, a group of men and women in here and they see this place, it's they go crazy. Yeah, it is a toy box. It's I've had fun going to your site and looking at cars that you've done and cars that are coming. It's incredible. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Alex. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? And it's not so much what kind of car you want to be, but how you perceive yourself. Well, again, this kind of correlates really to my interests right now. And I think if I thought of myself as anything right now, it would be a Porsche Speedster. Mm. Kind of basic, a lot of fun, and super reliable. (laughs) I love it. I think it's, yeah, (laughs) I I love those. I I think that car, on a given day, it's hard to beat that experience at the speeds of the top down. You know, it does, uh, I've had the pleasure of driving several, and you just step back in time when you get into that car. You put your string back gloves on, and it's not a super fast car. It's just something that you slow down and just enjoy it. So fantastic. I love that. So, Alex, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to one of our sponsors. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book, from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E gear.com. All right, Alex, we're back and we're entering the last lap. And this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions. And you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Sure. What's the best automotive advice you have ever received? And again, it goes back to something from Ralph Lauren. And it's just buy the best. Mm. I'd say that to, to my clients, buy the best car you can afford, either the most original, because there's a false economy in buying something that you think you've got a deal on, and then you're going to put so much money into on the other end that you would have been much better off in the beginning just buying the best you can find. You know, I had uh, Bruce Meyer on the show, and he had a similar comment. And when it comes to buying a car, he says, cry only once and then right. move <laughs> on. <laughs> so buy the best you can afford. Perfect. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success over the years? Yeah, I I think it's pretty, it is, again, pretty basic. I think if you look at, and it's not just me, but our company, our reputation is for our honesty. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, it's just that's something you can never buy back if you screw it up, you know. Yeah. uh, So I I think if you ask people about myself or Paul Russell and company, and so those guys are 
very fair, honest. Again, people say to us, well, God, your place is so expensive. It is, but you get what you pay for it, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I think I think my career has been successful because I'm honest with people. I, you know, this is what it is. It, it, there's no, you know, there's a lot of people in this business who will go up to a, a guy who's selling the car and say, gee, I'm a... Uh, collector, I just want to collect this, and then they'll get it home and flip it in ten minutes. Yeah, I I have never done that. I go into people and say, "Look, I'm a dealer. I love this car. You know, take it back to the shop, do some work on it, and sell it, and make some money on it." Yeah. So if you have a problem with that, you shouldn't be selling the car to me. <laughs> perfect, perfect. On the other hand, I go in sometimes because I am an enthusiast. I said, and I bought a car that I still own today from this woman in uh, Walnut Creek 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I said, "Look." I'm a dealer, but I'm, I want to be the next owner of this car, and I swear to you, I'm not going to buy it to flip it. I love it, and I want it, and it's a 59356A coupe that I still have that I love, and it's, you know, um, so I think if you're honest with people, they respect that, and, yes. you know, it, it's hard to, you know, p- p- dealers get the, this name of, oh, my God, I don't want to deal with a dealer, and I've been screwed more by private sellers than I've ever been screwed by dealers. <laughs> I had a friend who sold cars, and he said, one thing I've learned, people are as good as their word. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you're really fond of? I know you have so many out there, but is there one in particular you think the Cars Yeah listeners would really enjoy? Well, the, again, which I mentioned, I bring a trailer, uh, that, the Jalopy Journal, and all these, there's so many fantastic kind of online ways that you can get into our hobby that it, it's mm-hmm. actually sometimes it, it, Overwhelming. aggravating because <laughs> you can people think they become an instant expert by something they read you know on wikipedia about a, a car but there's some i'm on bring a trailer and jalopy journal every single day yeah, you know? those are great I, I, two I, good I, ones I'm a, I'm a hot rider and like i said bring a trailer I, I go on it and all of a sudden i'm straying into some area that i would never <laughs> i have know an interest in. it's a rabbit hole <laughs> It is a rabbit Yeah, hole. it is. Yeah. The, the crack garage, we call it. Yeah. <laughs> Alex, would you share a book that you think our listeners would really enjoy reading? I've got a library that I'm sitting in front of right now. That it's probably a massive. <laughs> thousand books in it. One of the books that I, the only, there's a series of books that I've read cover to cover, and they're Simon Moore's Alpha books. Mm, yes. All the others, I, the excellence was is fantastic. Carl Lucas' book are great to go in and you know pick out information from mm-hmm. his books i mean I've, I've read each one of those cover to cover so Excellent. i would recommend those and on the other side of the hot rod thing the rider's journal oh of course I mean, yeah. if i had to throw all my books away i'd, I'd keep the rider's journal and the simon Moore books yeah, i've been a subscriber to the rider's journal for many years i'm working hard on trying to get the editor of that publication on cars yeah i think i'm getting close steve so, Conan, yeah. yeah yeah working on steve so uh, hopefully we'll get him on the show soon yeah, great guy. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyacom slash Alex Finnegan. And Alex spells his last name F-I-N-I-G-A-N. All right, Alex, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for someone like you who loves cars so much. If you could have only one collector car in your garage... But don't worry about the cost. Even if it's one of Ralph's cars, I'll buy it for you today. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> what would that one vehicle be and why? Here's Well, it's funny because it's changed. This is, I'm sure every car guy listening to this has played those games if you can only have yes. 10 cars or 5 cars or whatever. <laughs> yes. And I had initially always wanted to have the Uhlenhout 300 SLR Coupe. That was it for me. But recently, I've just... I've had this experience where I've been looking for an XKSS for a customer, mm. and uh, 
So right now, if you today, just today, I'm saying that's okay. If you said that to me today. Yeah, I'd take an XKSS. An XKSS. Oh, what a wonderful car! Now, what is it about that Jaguar that you love so much? Well, it, it's a unlike the Ulan Coupe. The Ulan Coupe is basically that that you couldn't drive that car. It, it's just too technically advanced. You know, you need a team of guys behind you. In XKSS, you can get in that car and drive it to the grocery store or drive it 140 miles an hour down the uh, Autobahn. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really that tractable. It's fantastic looking, and it's just that iconic shot of uh, Steve McQueen looking over his shoulder in the uh, right yes. rear three-quarter of that. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. It's so, gorgeous. <laughs> and I'm not a Jaguar guy. It's just even more interesting. You know, you'd yeah. think I'd pick an Abarth Porsche or something like that, but right now I've, I've got the – if I won the – Megabucks. I've yeah. hunting one of those down. <laughs> and I'm sure you'd find one. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> well, Alex, you have taken me on a great ride today. I knew you would, and I've really enjoyed learning more about you and your history. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with well, it's me. It's been my pleasure. Yeah. yeah. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Jaguar XKSS? I, I guess the only thing, again, off the top of my head is you should, with all these old cars, they need to be driven. Get out there. Nothing is more painful than to see all these beautiful cars sitting in garages and never turning a wheel. Yes. They love to be driven. You love it. Life is short. Enjoy yourself. Ah, great advice. What is the best way for our listeners to learn more about Paul Russell and company? We have a very simple website, paulrussell.com. Check it out. It's got the history of the company, cars we've sold in the past, cars, projects we're working on right now. It's really pretty interesting uh, it's a wonderful site so listeners please check it out go to paul russell and company you're going to have so much fun and if you're ever up in that part of the country give alex a call i'm sure he'd be happy to have you in his shop and uh, show you some of the, the candy that they're working on in there definitely listeners you can find links to everything that alex has shared with us today again at carsyad.com just put alex in the search box and his show notes page will pop right up alex thank you for being so generous with your time and expertise and and for sharing your experience with the Cars Yeah listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!